0: Welcome back to Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen, a.k.a. Bri the Comic Book Guy. I encourage you to follow my Instagram, at Bry the Comic Book Guy. You can also email me with any questions you have about anything we've talked about in this episode or previous episodes by emailing me, BryTheComicbookGuy the comic book at gmail.com. So this week, we're going to start a multi-episode journey into one of my favorite storylines of all time. If you're a 90s kid, you remember it, Age of Apocalypse. At the time, Marvel got all the best artists and writers together to work on this. It was totally revamping the X-Men's world for at least four months. It's all about warped reality and how they got back to it. Now, this also involves every X-Men title, which at the time there was nine just for everything X-Men. They all changed the names to go along with the reality warping for four months. So here's a small lead-up to the story uh, that is called Legion Quest. That's going to be where we start today because uh, the whole thing with the character Legion this is his fault everything is his fault from here on out to the end of the storyline he's professor Xavier's son so if you remember the TV show Legion they were pretty spot-on from the comics on how he is where he has multiple personalities and has some trouble controlling his powers but as this storyline starts you see that he sort of gets everything in his mind together and he is thinking clearly for the first time and he has this brilliant plan. So we'll get to that eventually. Uh, So the backstory is uh, the professor had a fling before he formed the X-Men, right after he met a gentleman named Eric Lenscher, who we recognize that name as Magneto. Back then they had both different lives ahead of them and behind them, they both became fast friends, and they didn't talk about being mutants. They didn't talk to each other about being mutants. They kept hypothetically talking about it, but they didn't tell each other that they were mutants. Uh, they had used their powers secretly, so they both had access to the powers, but didn't tell anybody about them. So the whole motivation behind Legion's actions leading up to the motions that go into the Age of Apocalypse is he decided that he could be a family with his mom and dad if Magneto ever existed. That's right, if Magneto wasn't around, he thought that uh, his dad, Professor X, wouldn't have had to form the X-Men so that he could have had a real family. Well, this is going to bite him in a, in a little bit, as you're going to see. So the issues we're going to talk about in Episode 1 here of this storyline are our Legion Quest issues are X-Factor 109, Uncanny X-Men 320-321, through 321, and X-Men 40-41, through 41, Cable 20. Now that's the bulk of Legion Quest. Then we're going to get into the first few issues of The Age of Apocalypse with X-Men Alpha, which started it all right after the reality warping. We're going to get into... Two X-Men Chronicles issues, which was revamped uh, from X-Men Unlimited, these stories tell everything that happened, the forming of this new team of X-Men, and a few things that happened before the bulk of the storyline, along with two one-shots called Tales of the Age of Apocalypse, with show events happening before the main bulk of the storyline, showing how everybody got to X-Men Alpha. So we'll cover that. And then we'll go from there into the issue 1s, 2s, 3s, and 4s because each title was only four issues with an epic conclusion called X-Men Omega. So why don't we get right into Legion Quest with the X-Factor issue. We're going to start with X-Factor 109. So X-Factor is called into a hospital where Legion, who about three years before this, in real time, not comic time, Uh, had fought with a character called the Shadow King. The Shadow King had taken over his mind, and the Professor had to help shut it down. So Legion had a bunch of multiple personalities at the time, and while he was in this coma, X-Factor found out when he woke up, is that his mind healed. So instead of all these multiple personalities, it was one main David Holler, because he took his mother's name, Gabriel Holler. Uh, So his big plan is to go after everybody that has an X on him, all the X-Men uh, characters and teams, which is, includes X-Factor, so they're trying to stop them, but they realize that they can't stop them. and one of the characters in X-Factor at the time is a character named Mystique. You've seen her in the movies. Uh, she blames Legion, who years before had accidentally killed her best friend, Destiny, uh, who was a member of a team uh, way back in the day. If you remember from The Fall of the Mutants, she was part of Mystique's team that helped uh, with Freedom Force. So she died because of Legion. So she was trying to kill him, which aggravated him even more. So, this whole X Factor issue is them trying to stop her from getting, you know, from killing him, but then him from killing everybody else, which doesn't work out for anybody. He ends up making all of X Factor vanish and he teleports him to another place. And he tells Mystique that there's a game changer that's about to happen where he's figured out how to solve all of the problems. And then he disappears. Then you find out where did he go? And that's when we get to the uncanny. The bulk of the Legion Quest issues. Uh, this is Uncanny X Men 320. So it starts with the X Men. You got Storm, Bishop, Psylocke, and Iceman, who are fighting Legion in the desert. And you're trying to figure out why they're fighting him in the desert. But you go back. They show uh, a replay of how everything led up to it. Uh, his mother, Gabriel Holler, who's a prime minister of Israel at the time in the comics. So she calls the X-Men and they come and Jean Grey is with them. So they're like, okay, what are we doing here? And they see this big psychic dome in the middle of the desert, this big black dome. And she said, it's my son for better or for worse. He has uh, formed that dome. And they're like, which personality is it? And she's like, all of them. He's melded his brain together. He's, he's healed, but he is now more powerful than his father could ever imagine being so like okay how are we going to take him down so they end up going to that dome and they're trying to fight him but he's just kind of sitting there in this big cocoon thing and he's ignoring them and they finally get so ticked off storm like launches this barrage at him and she's like you're gonna listen to us whether you want to or not and he goes i just wasn't paying attention but look what i can do so he and storm blip they fade away they like disappear and everything, all the maelstrom and all the turmoil happens around him, and everything's quiet. So what he does is he takes Storm back into the past, and he shows her this plane that's about to crash into a family's dwelling, which was how it happened in her life. She's looking at her as a kid, and her parents are about to be killed by a plane crash, which is her origin story. Like She became an orphan, and that's how she roamed around as a kid. So just as she's about to save her parents, he warps them back. And he goes, that is just a small sample of what's about to happen. So the X-Men are trying to stop him before he can do this. Now, Bishop, one of the characters named Bishop, he's a time traveler, so he also absorbs powers. So he kind of locks his powers on the Legion, and Psylocke binds them all together, except for Jean Grey. And at the end of the issue, they all end up disappearing So they're like, okay, where are the X-Men now? And they end up vanishing. And the issue ends with Gene in the middle of the desert crying for help from the professor. So the next issue is X-Men 40. You see the rest of the team is going to come and rescue them. But before that, we get a little glimpse of the past. We see Professor Xavier, years before he's a professor, in Israel, talking with a man that he had just met a few weeks ago named Eric Lensherr. And they're talking about this weird patient that they have that's uh, named John Doe because they're both at the time working in a hospital helping patients. Professor is using his powers to help coax their minds back, and Magneto is kind of like an orderly, a helper. So they run into this room with a man named John Doe who can't figure out who he is or what he's doing there, and it ends up being David Holler. He's in the past, and he doesn't remember who he is. And then we flash forward to the rest of the X-Men are in Israel trying to find Jean and the rest of the team. Archangel does find Jean. They bring her back. And the professor asks, what happened? And he goes, his mind is whole, Charles. Your son wasn't a shattered shell of a man anymore. All the pieces were glued back and he's become more powerful. We don't know how many different abilities he's had, but he is tearing. He tore us apart. He tapped into some new ability and he took them all and they end up being in the past. And as he's talking about that, you see in the past, 20 years ago, you see the X-Men. They don't know what they're doing there, but they finally remembered who they were. They said they've been there for a few weeks, and now they know each other's names, but they don't remember what they're doing there. And all of them know that they have their powers, but they don't know why they're there. So it is now uh, shifting over to Magneto, Eric Lenscher. He's helping that John Doe out of bed. And he goes. I feel your sadness, your sorrow, this anger that burns inside of you. So then, Legion's powers start kicking in, and he's like, he's using his psychic abilities to read Magneto's mind and see all the pain and suffering of his daughter and everything. And Magneto kinda goes nuts for a second, and his powers, all of uh, all of the stuff in the room, uh, he uses magnetic powers to make Legion stop, basically. And he runs out of the room looking per- for Professor Xavier, who's in uh, town square with. Legion's mom, Gabriel Holler, who at the time was a patient. So they run into each other, and he goes, The strange boy we found at the docks, there's something very wrong with him. You remember that stuff we were talking about, that genetic quirk we were discussing about? I think this may be it. So they run back to the hospital, and they see all these images of the future with the X-Men and everything, but they don't know how to stop them. Then we flash forward into the present, where they bring some more troops in, the X-Men do, to try and figure out how to get the X-Men. And it ends up being the resident time traveler, Cable, who recently, it was discovered back uh, a few uh, issues, uh, episodes ago with Fatal Attractions, we did discover that Cable is indeed the son of Cyclops. So he says, hey, Dad, how's it going? So Cable and Domino show up, and they're going to try and build this machine to go back and try and rescue the X-Men. But before that, the alien figure, Lalandra, who is the Empress of the Shi'ar Empire and girlfriend of the Professor, says, uh, I bid you greetings, everyone. Uh, there is trouble coming, uh, unfolding in your planet's past through the actions of your renegade son, David Holler. They're tearing apart the fabric of reality. But this is something that was given to me. We found out because of these guys. And you turn around and you don't just see the Watcher. Now, in the comics, when the Watcher shows up, everybody in the comics knows there's going to be trouble. But all of the Watchers show up on the Shi'ar homeworld, and she goes, you know what, this was whispered words warning straight from the mouths of the watcher. So you're like, as a comic reader, like, oh, crap, it's going to be big. So then Uncanny X-Men 321 is next. You see in the past... Professor X and Magneto are good friends. They're in a bar, and they end up getting into a bar fight with all the other people in the bar because the professor tries to save this one guy from being picked on by all the other guys. And he's reminiscing of this, and in the end, after the story is told, they, they end up winning because they're mutants, but they end up not using their powers, and they still save the day. And you flash forward into the present where uh, the Shi'ar are helping Cable, Gene Gray, and the Professor make this machine. And he goes, you and Magneto in a bar fight back-to-back? So it's kind of a funny little thing there. Uh, And the Shi'ar finally get the contraption going, and they send Cable back in time. Now they go back 20 years, and they see Bishop and Iceman and everybody. They're still trying to figure out what's going on. They can't remember anything. And then we see the professor and Magneto coming back from that bar fight, and they're reminiscing of it, and the uh, professor's trying to say that he loves uh, Gabriel, and he wants to have a life with her. But just as that's going on, Gabriel is laying in this courtyard, just kind of sitting there, and Legion turns himself into the professor, and he's kind of like tricking her with his mind powers. We don't see exactly what's going on, but then the professor all of a sudden senses that she's having problems, and they both run to her. And just as that's about to happen, Bishop uh, sees this energy blast behind him, and it's Cable. The rest of the X-Men, they still don't remember everything, so they don't know who Cable is. But Cable touches Bishop, and there's this big energy blast says, you must remember, you're the X-Men, you have a mission, and he kind of like mind warps into them everything that they need to remember. And the issue ends with Legion standing over Gabriel Holler, and she goes, Uh, uh, the world's greatest villain is about to die. So that means he's looking at Magneto. So the Cable issue is kind of like an addendum to this issue. It's mainly the X-Men. It's kind of like a saying goodbye issue where right before Cable goes back in time, all the X-Men are trying to uh, gather their thoughts and everything because this big crystal wave from what is called the Kron crystal is heading towards Earth. Now that's the reality warping thing. They can't figure out why the Kron crystal... Uh, which has been in the X-Men's past way back in the early days, uh, is now having this crystalline wave. So they're all trying to s- s- like give their goodbyes because they're like, well, if we can't stop Legion, this is, this is what's going to happen. Everything's going to be doomed. So we get to the big finale of the main reality. Uh, it's X-Men 41. Now it's an co- it's just like this big cover, and it's Professor laying in the arms of Magneto. So you're like, oh, crap. So the issue basically is Magneto fighting Legion and the X-Men trying to stop him. And the Professor doesn't know who they are, but they run into him and they're like, "Hey, we're with you. We need to help stop this guy before he kills Magneto and does whatever." And it kind of, this issue kind of goes back and forth from the past and the present, and the X-Men are watching the crystalline wave get closer and closer to the Earth. And then we get to a little other thing where it's a little past the thing in the past. And it's the character Apocalypse going, it begins a decade earlier than my sinister associate predicted, which means Mr. Sinister. He goes, okay, this is the survival of the fittest, and the order of ascension begins now. So you're like, okay, what's Apocalypse got to do with this? So we go back to the fight in Israel. Magneto is losing big time to Legion. So the X-Men step in. Iceman ends up freezing every molecule in Legion's body, and they think they've got him. They bring him back down, and the professor's like, Is, did this fix everything? And they're like, well, I don't think it did because we didn't get shunted back to the pat, to the present, so I don't think it did. And right before that, Legion just blasts everybody, melts the ice, and he's like, all right, I'm going to ready to explode. Is that what you're trying to say? So he picks up Magneto, and he, Magneto's like, how dare you contend, condemn me for something that hasn't happened yet? So he gets this big psychic blade, and he's like... I kill you, my future becomes better. So he's getting ready to kill Magneto. And just before he kills Magneto, the professor steps in and says, stop it, you're going to kill him. And Legion accidentally uses that psychic blade and kills the professor instead. He goes, father, oh my God, what did I do? And he goes, you can't be dead because if you're dead, that means, and all of a sudden, all the x-men blink out bishop is surrounded by this energy and he crashes to the ground because he's got this temporal energy around him and he ends up staying so it's uh, magneto holding the dead body of the professor crying and said i swear i will make things right then we flash to the present where everything is surrounded by the crystalline structure and right before the end uh, it, it was a pretty powerful moment in the present of the X-Men. Gambit and Rogue kiss for the first time right before the energy blast goes all through them. And you see all the different X-Men characters crystallize and then everything explodes. And they're like, whoa, that's pretty intense. So then we get to the main bulk of the storyline, which is X-Men Alpha. This book starts with this character, all cloaked, climbing up this, bo- uh, this hill of dead bodies. And the narration starts where, for years, this person has been following the trail of genocide. He used to remember a time that used to be, but can't recollect it. And just as uh, the narrator is talking about that, this figure, all cloaked still, runs into a little girl, and she's being chased by these beings. It ends up being something called these infinites. And it turns out they're trying to kill all the humans in this world. So right away we're getting, okay, humans are a bad thing. And they're being hunted. They're like, okay, mutants have taken over. And then we see the leader of this band try and kill the cloaked figure with a force field, but he's absorbing his powers. And you're like, huh, absorbing powers? That kind of sounds familiar. So, they're like, hey, he's a mutant, but he's a traitor. We got to kill him. So, just before they're about to take him out, they go, not so fast, comes from the background. And then the two pages after that are pretty awesome because it's does anybody recognize that stranger? He goes, you need to step away from him now, so says the X-Men. And it's Magneto, Rogue, Quicksilver, Storm, Nightcrawler, Iceman, Sabretooth, and a few characters we don't recognize yet. You go, holy crap, what is this all about? Now Sabretooth is holding onto a chain of this, uh, this mutant that's kind of less evolved, and he's called Wildchild. are so like, oh, that's the character Wildchild from uh, the uh, Alpha Flight. So the the whole x-men team uh, blasts through these guys and you kind of they kind of say who everybody is and one of the characters is named morph so you're like morph that looks like, kind of like the character changeling from the early early days in the 60s of the x-men' so like okay maybe that's who it is so the uh, x-men finish off these bad guys and magneto starts brooding about everything he goes oh, I, I once thought about mutant rule and they're like wait you I was like, no, a person that saved me from all of that died in his prime. His name was Charles Xavier, and he was the greatest man I ever knew. He had a dream of unity, and with his dying breath, he entrusted me the deliverance of his dream. Twenty years later, I imagine him looking down for me from heaven, going, why have I failed you? So then they go over to the stranger and like, okay, let's figure out who he is. And instantly they take off his mask, and it's Bishop. It's a 20-year-older bishop, and Magneto locks eyes with him, and he goes, You. And then Bishop just goes nuts. He goes, You, you murderer, it's all your fault. Legion, warp time, you killed Xavier, you let him die. So Magneto uses this little magic trick and makes him unconscious. they so like, Okay, let's bring him back to the compound. Now this issue kind of goes back and forth, and it shows all the different characters kind of leading up to branching off into their own titles. The next one we see Beast. But he's not blue, and he's not a good guy, and he's gray, and he's genetically manipulating mutants. One of them gets loose, and the character Havoc comes around. Havoc doesn't look like a happy guy. He looks ticked off, and uh, the mutant tries to kill both of them, but they're rescued by a actual one-eyed Scott Summers, and he's named Cyclops. And he's like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to stop the genetic experimentation to the Kelly Pact, which was obviously a nod to Robert Kelly, the senator. Then uh, Havoc and uh, Cyclops start arguing, as they did a lot in the comics, but this is pretty intense. And their father, their adopted father, walks into the room. It's Mr. Sinister. Now, back in the comic days, like the real-world comic days, Mr. Sinister had always been obsessed with the summer's gene pool and always been obsessed with Scott and Alex and his family. So he takes Cyclops and he says, Havoc, you clean up this mess. I have to walk with Cyclops. So Mr. Sinister says, I have to go away. There's a war coming. The end of the world is coming. I'm not gonna be able to stop it. I need to go do something. I've sheltered you too long. Cyclops, you're on your own. Farewell. So Cyclops is like, what did you do? What does this all mean? Then we see Cyclops kind of looking on brooding. And you see sentinels in the background going, towards this huge citadel that's in the middle of New York City when we flash to in New York City the character Archangel who has his uh, original wings and is calling himself angel he owns a nightclub and bar that has these little scramblers in it that protect anybody that wants to come in when we see the character Gambit Gambit looks pretty rough too and he's looking for Magneto and Warren is apparently the only one that can show where he is Now he's like, I'll tell you where he is, but you got to leave and never come back. You never know who's watching. We see somebody, a shadowy figure, up in a balcony looking over, and it looks like Sebastian Shaw. And we go to the craziest part of this whole event. You go to a mansion that's all decrepit in the middle of Westchester County. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And Rogue is in a room with the the robot Nanny, which was a villain in the X-Men's time, but she's watching over a baby. And the baby, who's probably about, I don't know, one or two, he jumps up and goes, Mama, and looks at Rogue. He's like, Rogue is a mom. Then he goes, where's Daddy? He's coming. Magneto walks in and says, right here, son. They're like, wait a second. Magneto and Rogue are married and have a little kid. Though well, apparently Magneto can touch Rogue even though her powers uh, make everything nuts. So they put their kid down for, for a nap and they go back to visit the stranger who goes, tell them exactly what happened to Charles Xavier. And to figure out what's going on with Bishop, they say, since the X-Men's options have been sorely limited when Gene was dot, 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 lost to them, Rogue, you're going to have to touch him, absorb his powers and his memories, and see what he's talking about. And we go to the heart of what's going on in this story. You see Sinister with another character called Abyss and then another character called Holocaust. Apparently, they're part of the Horsemen of Apocalypse. And they're also talking about a character named Mikhail, which was Colossus's brother, who was also a mutant. So apparently Mikhail is also one of the four horsemen. So then Apocalypse walks in, and he's this huge dominating figure. He's not in the uh, costume or anything. He's been in the comics. He's got this cape, and he looks like this big overlord. And he has taken over America and South America, too. And he has this wall around the Americas, and all of the humans have been... Uh, fed out of America and they're over in Europe. So they're talking about this world domination where Apocalypse is getting ready to go after and eliminate every human on the planet. So when we say sinister is not quite happy about that, and he's talking and he's thinking in his head, uh, he wonders if the information he gave these two mutant couriers is actually going to help. Let me flash into London, which is pretty much ruined at the time from attacks. We see these two cloaked figures waiting for a Human High Council entourage to come at them. One of them pops out three Anamanium Claws, so you know who that is. We go to the Tower of London and uh, Big Ben, and it's the Human High Council, which is Moira McTaggart and Bolivar Trask, who that was the inventor of the Sentinels. So they are married and part of a Human High Council, along with Brian Braddock, who eventually becomes Captain Britain in the comics but isn't at this point, and Emma Frost, who was a mutant and somehow is connected with the Human High Council. And then we see the other figure take her cloak off, and it's Jean Grey. So Jean Grey and Weapon X, he's not called Wolverine, he's called Weapon X, they're an item, they end up kissing, and they say, I wonder if we did the right thing. when we flash over to Westchester County, where we see the uh, X-Men all gathered around and Rogue touches Bishop and Magneto sees everything that's going on, everything that happened in the main continuity that happened. And he goes, I need to validate what happened. But Bishop is like, I opened his eyes. I showed him the truth. This is what's going on. So the uh, Gambit jumps out of the shadows and breaks Bishop apart because he thinks that he's hurting Rogue. So the X-Men are like, hey, uh, Cajun, we're going to take you out but it's found out that uh, Magneto called Gambit to come to their aid. Apparently there's a big blowing out between Gambit and Magneto, and we do get to see why in a few minutes. So uh, Magneto says, I need to know if these events are true. I need to speak with your mother. Can you find her? So then Nightcrawler goes, well, she's gonna be surprised to see you, and then vanishes. So then Magneto says, I need a moment alone. I need to figure out what's going on. And we flash to a scene where Rogue says, everybody's in the courtyard, Peter and Kitty, Gambit, they're waiting your word. We need to figure out what's going on. So Magneto's like, we need to figure out what's going on because I think this is hauntingly familiar and we need to stop whatever's coming. Then the end of the issue ends with the crystalline wave once again coming towards Earth. So now we're going to go a little bit into the past with the two X-Men Chronicles issues. So X-Men Chronicles number one goes way back when Magneto first formed his X-Men team. And it wasn't at a mansion. It was at Mount Wundagore. who, if you've seen Doctor Strange, uh, uh, Multiverse of Madness, you know that it was an actual mountain. But in the comics, it was something totally different. So X-Men complex is in Mount Wondegore, and you see who this first X-Men team was. Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Jean Grey, Colossus, Iceman, and Storm. And they're all in a training simulation, And Magneto is saying all they needed was discipline. Uh, These guys, they're just children. We have to be prepared for what is to come. Because he kind of senses that something is coming, and something huge is coming. So then their training session's over, and he says, uh, watch as I introduce you to the newest and most dangerous member of your team. And Wolverine comes out, but he's called Weapon X, because this is an alternate timeline, so he doesn't go by Wolverine. Uh, so uh, he's quickly introduced to the team and Magneto leaves to see some other visitors. So while that's going on, New York City, Apocalypse's ship goes over New York and one of his heralds, Kandra, tells the population that their time of rule is over. Now we flash back, back to Mount Wandergore. Magneto is introduced to a young girl named Rogue who Mystique has brought to him because she's got powers, unique powers, and Apocalypse has tried to get to her. But Rogue doesn't want to have anything to do with anybody, but Magneto comforts her, says you're safe and everything. And as that's going on, Rogue is being showed around uh, the campus by Scarlet Witch. And right before that, you see uh, flashing over to Cape Citadel, which is a nuclear defense arsenal. Apocalypse's ship enters the atmosphere and you see his heralds, Gideon, Kandra, War, Death, and Sabretooth getting ready to attack. They do attack the complex. And Quicksilver comes in and says, it's an attack on Cape Citadel. So Magneto's like, the nuclear stockpile, It's come to this. So the heralds, obviously, they make quick work of the entire army that's surrounding them. And they go for the nuclear missiles. So Magneto says, our day has come. It's time to go. This is the first uh, adventure that we're going to go on. It's the first real battle. So the X Men leave, but they leave Rogue with Scarlet Witch, and she's like, "Why are you leaving me here? Come back!" And he's like, "You're here to pick up where I left off. If we don't make it." So as they leave, this character Nemesis is standing over the mountain, looking down like he's getting ready to attack. So the X Men do end up running into Apocalypse's ship, and they go face to face with the Herald's. And we flash back to Mount Wundagore, where the character uh, Nemesis or Genesis, and he starts attacking. And blowing up everything around them. And Rogue goes after him and knocks him down. he says, you hurt me. And then Scarlet Witch attacks him. And he goes, you're going to pay for this most dearly. So we go back to the arsenal, Cape Citadel. Sabretooth is amazed because he thought they were just going to take over the missiles, not use them. And Apocalypse wants them to attack the rest of the country. So Sabretooth kind of revolts on him. And the heralds are getting ready to to kill him. And the X-Men walk in. So then they release Sabretooth going, all right, you're going to fight him. So we see the first fight between Wolverine and Sabretooth in the alternate timeline. They go toe-to-toe, and then we see Jean Grey fighting, and we see all the X-Men fighting, but Magneto goes into the room where Gideon is and attacks him. Uh, He's magnetically using his powers against him because Gideon can reverse anybody's powers, and then we uh, see Magneto kind of like knocked down. Right before that, we see the final moment of the Wolverine-Sabretooth fight where Wolverine breaks Sabretooth's skeleton and leaves him on the ground. Magneto kind of reverses Gideon's power and ends up reversing it and shooting this big EMP, neutralizing the missiles. Right before uh, they take out the X-Men, Apocalypse comes out of his ship, says, I would have recruited all of you, but Magneto has tainted you. You're going to die with those who have defeated you, Sabretooth. Uh, all of my heralds come back to the ship because I'm going to obliterate everybody. So then all the weapons are trained on the X-Men and they're getting ready to fire Magneto jumps out of the rubble, but he's too weak to destroy the ship, but he takes out the weapons battery, and Apocalypse ends up leaving. So they go, let's go back to Mount Wundagore. we need to figure out our next move. But they don't know what happened was Mount Wundagore got pretty trashed, and Scarlet Witch ends up dying. But before that, she tells Rogue, promise, look after my father, be a friend to him. And the issue ends with Magneto picking up Wanda. And getting ready to bury her. The last issue we're going to cover here is X-Men Chronicles 2. So then this is an adventure a few years later, and we open up with uh, Weapon X and Jean Grey leaving. The whole team is surrounding him, and he goes, "I got Jean back. It cost me my hand, but I would have gone more than that to get him to get her out." So we see a kind of a different X-Men team. There's all the original members there, but there's some other new ones there. Gambit is there as well. So the issue starts with Wolverine and, or Weapon X, and Jean Grey leaving. So now we know why that's going on. We see Rogue and Gambit are an item, but she's drawn the Magneto somehow, and Gambit's trying to like, force the issue and uh, try and get her to kind of go away with Gambit. And then we see this cloaked figure. They call him Wolverine. Beast apparently created this epic killing machine with the, the character uh, Genesis, who is now called Holocaust, and we find out that Magneto found Genesis, just almost ravaged him to be dead, but called himself Holocaust, and he's surrounded by this, uh, this life support armor. So then Holocaust wants Wolverine to go after the X-Men to pick up his scent, basically. So he sends him for that adventure. So we see the X-Men going on this uh, raid in Denver, Colorado, where they're trying to save these humans from a bunch of Apocalypse's team. And they you know, make quick work of them and everything. And we see one of the characters throw a uh, non-metal knife at Magneto. And Rogue can't stop it because her magnetic powers that she has can't stop it. And Magneto ends up getting stabbed in the back. And the X-Men uh, are retreating. Gambit calls a retreat. We see later Magneto getting really ticked off that the X-Men shouldn't have listened to Gambit he goes, you know, you're my best friend. You need to, to hang on. We saved the team, save the family. So Rogue says, I need to talk to Magneto and go over next week's plans. And Gambit leaves the room, and you're kind of like, oh, there is something going on here. And we see Iceman and Gambit talking, and Iceman's like, don't you have anything to worry about? You know, uh, you can't touch Rogue. How is everything going to go? And he's like, well... Been talking with Magneto. He's on my side. We're gonna try and overcome her powers. And we see kind of this weird moment where Magneto is recuperating, but Rogue. He and Rogue like lock eyes, and they kind of have like this weird ass moment. Then we see the character Wolverine gets this big army together, and he gets there. The X Men sent, and he's on their way to their compound. So then Rogue and Quicksilver have this little conversation about Wanda. It's been years before that, and she was asking him if he's okay with her being second in command. And he's like, well, I'm his son, but, you know, I'm fine with not having to be in command. But the team's going to get big enough sooner or later where we're going to need two leaders. So then Gambit's like, hey, Rogue's acting weird. i got to talk to Magneto. But as they're getting ready to do that, the alarm sound, and Wolverine's army starts attacking the base. Right before that, we see this weird scene where Gambit leaves Rogue who wants to talk to Magneto. Magneto takes off one of his gloves and said, I've been thinking about your powers. Take my hand. And he ends up being able to touch her. Now Gambit didn't leave. He was in a tree line above. He gets really ticked off and says, You're a traitor, how could you do that to me? And he goes, and you, you know, Wanda said to look after his old her old man, but that doesn't mean you have to. And she punches him. And he goes, What's going on here? What's really happening? So the X-Men kind of get lost in the battle with the whole team. And Magneto gets taken out from Wolverine because he's still injured with that knife fight. And the Wolverine character goes after Rogue and Gambit. So he's ready to, you know, blast both of them. Rogue ends up being separated from him, and Wolverine corners Gambit and Magneto in a corner. And she kind of has to make a decision. She ends up picking Magneto instead of Gambit, who ends up being crushed by this brick building. And the X-Men say, hey, you're going to take out one of us, you're going to take us all out. So then the big epic battle ends, and Wolverine takes out all the other X-Men, they're all unconscious. And Rogue is standing under an unconscious Magneto. He goes, I'm gonna kill both of you right now. But Gambit comes out with this big charged brick. He punches Wolverine, kicks him off a cliff, and it ends up blowing the Wolverine up. So then Gambit goes, you know what, don't say a word, either one of you, all my life, I've been a loner. I thought I found love, but now I guess I'm unlucky. Uh, uh, no denying it hurts, but maybe Gambit needs to go on his own. So then we get to see what that whole thing in beginning of X-Men Alpha was, where Gambit's like, you know, you owe me for what happened. Now, this is just part one of Age of Apocalypse. We're going to cover uh, the two single issues, the one shots, in our next episode, because we didn't get to them in this episode, but I promise we will. It's kind of a lead up into the main events of the story. Next episode, we're going to cover the issue ones of all the different series. So this is just part one. I promise you, this is an epic adventure. And like I've said before, I will post all the covers, all the issues we talk about. If you want to know more about this story, or just want to talk about it even more, you can email me, guy at gmail.com. So until next week, thanks for listening.